0: Bart, I've asked him not to whistle that annoying tone.
1: Yo everybody and welcome back once again. To Simpsons is Greater Than, a podcast where we take a look at the cultural impact and anything and everything that has to do with everybody's favorite nuclear family. And of course, by now, you know I'm talking about the Simpsons. As always, I'm your host, Warren, better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness. You might know me from my Simpsons collection over on Instagram or Twitter.
0: Be honest, it's
1: great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not, when you're done with this episode, if you could slide over to either one of those places, either one, it really doesn't matter, and check it out. I am confident that you will like it and then you and I can be even better friends. So as you probably noticed from the cover image, depending on where you're listening to this or if you've been crossing off an actual calendar, this week is the one-year anniversary of the podcast. Oh, come on. You're, you're too kind. No, seriously. You don't You don't have to clap. Look, you're in your car on your way to work, and that's probably not safe, and, and people are on... Other cars are looking at you funny. Just... Let's yeah, see yeah. But sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening. Whether you've been with me since episode one or if you are just now finding the show, it truly means a lot to me. Now, with all of that said, I thought that this would be the perfect episode to celebrate the anniversary. And that is a fan Q&A with none other than Yardley Smith the voice of lisa simpson and also the person who was on the very first episode of this podcast and a huge inspiration for its existence in the first place so you know so much love and appreciation to Yardley. Uh, but we did this fan q a live over on my instagram a few weeks ago so if you want to watch it you can still go over to my instagram and watch the actual video and see us hang out so go do that when you're done with this if you are so inclined But what do you say we start this episode now? Episode 41. Let's go. I can hear you recorded up.
0: There it is. It's recording. We're dialed.
1: (laughs) Uh, Jay Sadoff says, it's weird hearing the voice of Lisa swear. It is one of my favorite things (laughs) in the universe. So there you go. Um, The voice
0: of Lisa Simpson swears a lot. Yeah, tell
1: you. So does the voice of Warren Evans. So there you go. (laughs) Um, So seriously, how is everybody doing on this lovely Saturday evening? I want to welcome everyone to uh, a fan Q and A with Yardley Smith, and to give a little background. If you haven't been following me for very long, uh, a year ago on Yardley's birthday, July third. Uh, we did a live, uh, I interviewed her for the first time, it was actually the first episode of my podcast, which all of you should be listening to, and uh we were going to answer some fan questions, and we never got around to it, Instagram <laughs> cut us off, and I never got to ask any of them, and we always said we were going to do another one where we only did fan questions, and for some reason, I took a whole year to do that. But Well, uh,
0: <laughs> in fairness, it bears mentioning that you suggested we do it on my birthday this year and i had plans for once so i couldn't do it so we are <laughs> um we're a month basically a month later from my birthday but i feel like i did i read somebody um on twitter i forget who i don't i they weren't familiar to me said that they believed that once you turn fifty, you get to celebrate your birthday for your entire year. So yeah. I'm fifty-seven. I'm like, fuck yeah, all right, sign me up. So it's still my birthday, as far as we're all concerned, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's still your birthday. It's it's every day is Yardley's birthday to me. Uh, and you know, again, I'm very excited about this. We got some really good questions going to answer as many as we can. I'm going to try to read comments as we go, but as you all know, that is not easy, especially when we're answering pre-submitted questions. But we're all hanging out, so if you all got something to say, hit me in the comments. I'm so happy to see all of you here, uh, and I, I love all of you, and I'm sure Yarley does as well.
0: I do too. I mean, really, it's uh, I'm always, I, I have to say we have the best fans in the world, The Simpsons does, and... Um, a lot of them have spilled over to the podcast that I co-host, Small Town Dicks, and Oil and Water, and you just, you know, you do what you love because you love it, but when other people enjoy it also, it's like icing on icing, so.
1: 100%. Yeah. And if you remember when I interviewed Yardley, uh, she said her <laughs> favorite food was butter on toast but followed closely by cake.
0: So that that's all true. <laughs> still true. Still true a year later. (laughs) So (laughs) icing on
1: icing is always good. I like that.
0: Always good. And I'm one of those people who I really love icing. So, you know, the people who scrape off the icing, I don't don't know if we could ever be friends, really friends. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I'll take your icing.
1: Yeah. Give, give your icing to Yardley. Uh, well, you know, so uh, before we jump into these questions, Yardley, I do want to thank you for doing this with me yet again. Uh, I want to invite anyone that has not listened to the podcast Uh, Simpsons is greater than slide over to that when you're done with this and check out my, my episodes with Yardley. She's been on a couple of times. We did a really awesome Christmas episode around, uh, December, uh, where we go over four Simpsons episodes and maybe even Lisa Simpson reads a couple synopsis. I'm just saying, uh, really, really fun. So anyone that is just now checking me out, checking out the podcast, checking out the Instagram, check that out when you're done. Uh, Yarley, before we jump into these questions, do you have anything?
0: Yes, I do. I want to piggyback on that plug for your podcast and tell the fans that one of the great things about Warren's podca- podcast is that he gets people from all vectors of our show. He gets animators, writers, actors. Um, he's gotten both our showrunners, and if you really love the show – they those episodes are such fantastic deep dives because the great thing about you Warren is that you have such a phenomenal knowledge of the show that you can ask questions that I, I certainly I wouldn't think of <laughs> so and in fact when we did the paley center um panel uh, a year ago or something a year and some months ago I actually hit Warren up to help me, because I was the moderator, to help me craft questions for the panel because I wanted to know from someone who knows so much about the show and has probably seen every panel, every (laughs) Comic-Con, every everything, what is it that you don't know yet? So that was... I mean, I just think those, if you're going to interview somebody about a subject, then to have a greater knowledge of that subject than, you're, than the person you're interviewing is pretty badass. So.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I've just decided live here on the air that I don't care about these questions. I just want Yardley to say more nice things about me. So <laughs> we're just going to sit here for an hour and a half. No, um, that is no. Thank you so much. And I also want to direct anyone that didn't watch the most recent uh, virtual Comic-Con that Yardley also moderated. There is a fantastic Pictionary game that the that the cast plays. It is so fantastic, and I want to tell everyone to go watch that immediately uh, when you are done with this, if you have not. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. That
0: was so fun. Matt Selman and I, we were sort of riffing on, okay, how could we make this Comic-Con different? It's hard to reinvent the wheel, and we came up with this idea that because we had three animators and then three panelists, and again, I was the moderator, we would have three teams playing Pictionary, and and you ha- and the animators obviously are doing the drawing, and it's epic. So definitely, definitely.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really really good. Uh, I like. Uh, someone said a new series. Yardley says nice things to us to brighten our days. That's a series I would definitely <laughs> spend money to, I uh, that. to be a part
0: of. A hundred percent.
1: So good. So good. Okay. Well, everybody is here to uh, to hear you answer questions from fans. So I say we just jump right into that. Who is ready Let's for Let's do it. All right. By, uh, by the
0: way, I love that um, Jay libren 98 says he told Al Jean that there should be a home version of um, <laughs> the animators doing Pictionary. I don't really know how we'd pull that off, but it could be like a weekly game show.
1: Oh, 100%. I yeah, was yeah. screaming at my television. I, I laughed very, very hard at that. <laughs> I need everyone uh, to go watch that. Uh, yeah, a lot of people seem to have loved uh, the Pictionary. It's great. Okay. So we're going to jump in. Okay. If I, if not, I'm just going to, I'm going to ramble on forever. Uh, and I want to get to as many of these as we can. And we are going to start with a question, uh, from my friend, Bodder Milligan. And I try not to be biased when picking these, but I just thought this was a really great question. Uh, he says, what's the last really good piece of advice you have received, whether professionally or personally?
0: Um, The the piece of advice I remember professionally that I really – sort of part and parcel of the same thing. The original piece of advice was be on time. And the premise and the overarching premise of it was I don't care where you think you are on the food chain – whether or not you're super either the way tip top or you're the person getting coffee for the rest of the queue for the crew your job is the same be on time the no you, like respect everybody else's time as well it is important that you not sort of create a a feeling as though you're better than and you should wait on me so i really 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 try and and by and large succeed being on time um And then I used to do this thing, this, uh, for a personal piece of advice. And it wasn't really your advice, it was a request. So I used to say, I used to say this thing, like, when people would gush about me or, you know, and usually not to their face, if they but if they sent an email or somebody had said, oh, I ran into so-and-so and and they said, you're so, I'd I'd always say, like, I'm, I'm not that great. Really, I'm not that great. (laughs) And I always thought it was, really quite funny. And I really kind of meant like, really, no, seriously, I'm deeply flawed. But my my business partner, Ben, who co-founded Paperclip with me and also did my shoe company with me, um, and my fiance, Detective Dan, both made earnest requests that I stop saying that. <laughs> and so I have. I have. I was like, oh, really? I just thought it was funny and sort of silly and dumb. They're like, no, Yardley, no, Mm-mm, no, no.
1: Well, do as as a huge fan of Yardley <laughs> and as someone who is lucky enough to uh, to consider her a friend, uh, I'm going to also say, yeah, you're great. And you should just kill that shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I killed that shit. I knocked that fucking shit off. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For those that love the cursing. There you go. There's a good one. Um, there it is. There it is. OK. But yeah. You know, I saw someone I think they were mad zapper in the in the. Uh, comments say uh, early is on time and what did you say early is late what did they say mad zapper what did you say it was great <laughs>
0: i think it's early is on time on time is too late there
1: you go yeah see i already my assistant
0: says something like that as well her grandmother said the same thing to her and i'm like i i might cut it a little close but i but i really really believe you know who am I to say that my time is more valuable than yours? Absolutely not. I won't have it.
1: Yeah. And also, uh, everyone knows when you get somewhere, the, the, it's not like you start work the moment you get there. You need, you need to give yourself time to actually get there, put your stuff down, throw your stuff in the fridge, whatever, you know? So there you go. That's so good advice. So
0: whatever that takes, whatever that's settling in, you have to factor that into your on-timeness. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah. That's great advice. I love it. I love it. I, I would consider myself fairly on time, but there are days where I'm not as good. So I'm, I need to work on that myself. Um. Yeah, well,
0: and sometimes, you know, the world just prevents it. But if your intention is always to arrive on time, that's perhaps as, as good as you can do. Another yeah. good thing I um, learned rather recently, because I used to suffer from perfectionism so much, is um, uh, sometimes – what is the expression? Sometimes good is good enough, right? Like perfection is a zero sum game. So you, you'll never win at that. So, um, but there's a great saying. Somebody will write into us what it is. As you can see, I've really taken it to heart. I can't even remember what it is.
1: Well, (laughs) I I know someone who used to say perfect is good enough, which I thought was funny because it's obviously just untrue.
0: (laughs) Right. but But it's something like good is good enough. Like
1: Yeah, someone correct us because I'm now I can't yeah, remember yeah, because anywho. I'm just thinking of the other thing. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> uh, uh. It's good. Someone will come through with it. All right. Uh okay, we're gonna move on to another question. Great question, Botter. Uh and this is from Joy of Cooking Millhouse, uh, also known there as Laurel Sorry Randolph. To interrupt.
0: Perfection is the enemy of good. There it is. There thank it you. is.
1: Thank you. Important, Important verbs. verbs, thank there you. you go. That's great. That's great. And I yeah, perfect is the enemy of the good. Why couldn't I remember that? Fantastic. Also good advice. Um, okay, so again, Joy of Cooking Millhouse is the next question, also known as Laurel Randolph, who just put out or is putting out a fantastic unofficial Simpsons cookbook. You've all seen me uh, plug this several times. I also have an episode of the podcast coming up with Laurel. Perhaps by the time you're listening to this on the podcast feed, it has already happened. So ignore this, but uh, Laurel is awesome. And I thought this was a really good question. Again, not bias, just a wonderful question. Uh, she says, I love oil and water. Uh, if you could sit down to a meal with your alter ego, Lisa, what would it be?
0: Um, first of all, I ordered a copy of Laurel's cookbook, which is awesome. Cause I'm also really curious to see what in, in the cuisine, in the Simpsons cuisine, anybody would possibly want to eat. <laughs> Surely she has improved on the nightmare of the food that we eat on the series. Um, so I can't wait to get that. Um, well obviously it would be plants and i would a couple of years ago we went uh, mostly vegetarian although i i still really do like a burger now and then but i've actually i don't really miss meat i just sort of i just enjoy it once in a while still sure. so what would we we i don't i don't know would there be there might be kale chips um I'm a little on the fence still about kale chips. <laughs> Maybe you could recommend some good ones because I know you're vegan, Warren
1: This is true. this is true um
0: what else? what would we I think'd just be like big piles of vegetables and grains and hopefully some really good sauces like Romesco mm. Mm. Um, a little, uh, olive oil, uh, vinaigrette, I think maybe some lemon and garlic and, uh, some beautiful olive oil. Uh, I love a good salad. I could eat salad all day. Honestly, it's tomato season and I have some, um, sort of, uh, sort of a bit sad looking urban tomatoes <laughs> in my garden, but I love them. So I think we would do quite well. I think we'd, we'd have a really, Tasty feast,
1: I'm, I'm willing and then to of course
0: there would be cake.
1: Yeah, I'm willing to bet <laughs> that there would be a good salad. I'm willing to bet Lisa would whip up some of her gazpacho. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I, I'm willing to bet Lisa would bring some good stuff to the table. Um,
0: That's
1: true. I, I for some reason I imagine her eating a very nice salad or some sort of noodle dish. Um, I, I, Lisa would have something very creative. She'd be a hip. Uh, vegetarian in real life so I think we all so
0: definitely <laughs> definitely ooh I love a good noodle I really mm. do that's mm-hmm. what I,
1: that's what I had for lunch um so <laughs> uh we are moving on to another question and this one comes from uh everybody should know this man at this point Simpson super fan uh Alex Simpson 23 shout out to yes. Alex uh, and he asks what is the most difficult thing about playing Lisa Simpson Um, take your time.
0: Yeah. I think, I'm not sure that there's anything, like, there's nothing emotionally hard about playing Lisa Simpson. I love everything that Lisa Simpson stands for. I love all of, I love all of her flaws. I love her sense of humor. But it's really, really, really hard when they make me sing as Lisa Simpson. So if this is me and this is Lisa Simpson, as you can see, There's not that much difference. And (laughs) Lisa Simpson, the voice of Lisa Simpson lives really high up sort of in my palate, right? In my upper palate, nasally kind of. And when you sing, I think you're supposed to open everything, not squeeze anything off. And so it's totally counterintuitive to singing to talk like Lisa Simpson. So the fact is I have about a four note range as as actual lisa simpson and they cut me a whole lot of slack when they're like oh yardley just sing this i'm like oh fuck dude like first of all way out of my range second of all not a singer (laughs) um my favorite thing is, is when they they or not favorite thing is when they pair me with actual singers like lady gaga or emily blunt you know um i'm like oh really Really?
1: Well, let me let me let let me add a a sub question to that. Would you say that uh, there is any part of uh, portraying Lisa that sort of uh, makes you tap into emotions of your youth? That is that is interesting to explore, like just the, you know, being a child and having to, like, deal with, you know, growing up uh it, and going to school and dealing with different things that come with being smart or interesting uh would you say that part of that is difficult because it just takes it taps into something from uh potentially anyone's childhood but even yours more specifically
0: yeah sure of course i i um you know but it's also cathartic because one of the things about one of the things i always loved about being an actor was no matter how sad or tragic the story, you always knew how it was going to turn out, even if it was badly. So in essence, it was like predicting the future and it gave you a chance to prepare for it. So Mm. even when Lisa Simpson is heartbroken, I see it before it happens, before I voice it, and I can sort of fortify myself. And in some ways it allows you to go even deeper because you know that there's it's, it's not forever. You know, when they yell cut, there might be some residual, um, because you can't just turn it on and off, but, but, but it's not the same as when you hear about a tragedy out of the blue in your real life and you're completely blindsided. And then that ripple effect lasts for who knows how long, like weeks, days, months, years, depending on what it was. So, um, so yes, I, I, And I've had, there have been a lot of pretty emotionally challenging moments for little Lisa Simpson.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Which, as I often say, uh, is why she's the greatest character. And uh, I am prepared for everyone that might disagree with that. But I will say, uh, I have noticed a bit of a resurgence in respect for Lisa over the last five or six years. Uh, as far as just how, how much people, uh, you know, care about that character. So I'm always happy to see that.
0: I'm so glad because I do think that she's – I'm happy that also there was a period of time when they mostly put Lisa on a soapbox and they sort of – if they had a, a message or she was trying to turn the whole town in one direction, she, of course, was the person who they would elect to try to make that happen. Um, but n- – That'll never work if you don't also remember that she's a kid and she has a really funny, mischievous sense of humor. So you have to put those, those two elements of that character side by side.
1: It's true. It's true. And I see where uh, Jane LeBron said one of the biggest Simpsons meme templates used is the one of her during the town hall scene in the movie. That's true. <laughs> that is true. A great meme. Lisa's got some good memes. I've seen some also some great remix memes of of Lisa. Uh, Really, really good. Uh, Okay. So the next question I have here is from Kyle Towers. Shout out to Kyle. It's a great question. Uh, It says, Lisa has some of the most poignant scenes in the series. Nice word, Kyle. Uh, Have you ever (laughs) genuinely teared up while delivering your lines?
0: Absolutely. I actually teared up um, last week. So now, during the pandemics, this ongoing pandemic, the never-ending pandemic, <laughs> um, we are not recording all together like we used to do, like we usually do, uh, where we record all together like an old radio play, which, by the way, is quite unusual for voiceover, for animation anyway. Sure. Uh, for instance, Family Guy, I think probably all the Disney movies and shows, they all, you go in, you do your lines separately, and then you're done. On The Simpsons, forever and ever, since the beginning of the show, we've done it all together, with a couple of exceptions, like Harry and Hank. Hank doesn't live in Los Angeles anymore; he lives on the East Coast, and Harry travels a lot. So, but by and large, me, Dan, Nancy, Julie, Tras, McNeil, who's a Genius, um, Chris Edgerly, we're all in the same room. So, but when the pandemic, when we were all ordered to stay at home in March 2020. We started to, first of all, do our read-throughs over Zoom. So you look on your, you know how you can see how many people are in the meeting on Zoom? 65 people. Uh, you can't see them all because they ask if you're not reading, if you're not one of the actors, you turn your camera off, but it's pretty funny. And then for a while, we were actually recording from home, which, you know, First of all, so grateful that we were able to continue working because that was a godsend. The rest of show business really shut down. Um, but it was, it was ex- especially challenging for the engineers because you couldn't, there's so much background noise. You know, I was in a quiet room, but you can't account for the barking dogs and the garbage trucks and the kids <laughs> screaming next door. Like, fuck, dude, it was just a lot. So then. In the summer of 2020, we were able to go back into the studio one at a time and still be directed over Zoom by one of the writers, mm. the engineers in a booth behind me. So, and then they would sanitize between us. Not everybody elected to go back into the studio, but I did. And so that's a long answer, sort of a lead up to it's, it's, I was recording a whole show, a new show, uh, last Thursday and, uh, there was a really, Poignant. It was a Lisa episode. I actually can't even remember what it was about already. Um, (laughs) But it was a really poignant. um, Oh, I do remember actually. Oh, it's a wonderful episode. I can't. I can't tell you what it's about. It's so good though. Um, And so, and there was a great moment where Lisa realizes that her efforts have yielded the results that she hoped that they would and it's a really moving moment and I you have to do each scene four times and but they had me do it a few more times and you just you just sort of I immersed myself and I had tears in my eyes which is harder to do if you're acting alone you know if you don't have anybody next to you playing off off of you don't have, you know, if I don't have Dan, those great Homer Lisa episodes, if he's not feeding me lines, um, that I can react to, I always cry with Dan. Dan always <laughs> makes me cry. But it's much, much, it's just not my preference to act in a vacuum like that. But mm. that's a long way of saying, yes, I do quite a lot, actually. I remember <laughs> the first time, and I was bawling, was, um, Lisa's substitute in season two where she falls in love with, or she gets a crush on her substitute teacher who's played by Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. And I was flown to New York to record that with Dustin Hoffman and I cried all day. Yeah. So there you go.
1: Well, so uh, once I, this is like many years ago, but I, I've, I've long said that that episode is like, it's like a, it's, it's a button for me. Like I'm going to get upset or sad if I watch that episode, not in a bad way, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get a little choked up and I've had people be like, Oh, it can't be like that emotional. Like is I mean, it's, it's the Simpsons, you know, and, uh, you show anyone that episode and if they don't at least feel it, uh, they're lying. And, uh, I'm going to (laughs) say that you should stop being friends with that person.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I completely agree. And I, and I actually learned this on one of our panels that I moderated in the last couple of years where, Jim Brooks, James L. Brooks, had said he wanted to do an episode where Lisa is sad, and oh no, I think no, maybe that's um, no, 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 I think I'm wrong about that. There was the first episode where she meets Bleeding Gums Murphy on yeah. the beat on the bridge, and Jim said, "I want Lisa, I want to do an episode where Lisa is sad," and and Matt Groening was a little like, real. Really? It's a half-hour comic. You can't do an episode where a character is just sad. And Al Jean and Mike Reese were charged with writing this episode. And it is also one of the most beautiful, just simple, but totally relatable episodes in yeah, the whole series.
1: Absolutely. And I'll give another yeah. one. Uh, just, And I know there are mixed feelings about this episode, but I'm a huge fan of uh, HOMR where Homer has the crayon in his oh, brain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I personally, I get a little choked up at the end of that episode uh, when Homer yes. gives her a note that he wrote before he put the crayon back in his brain. And regardless of what, how some people feel about how wild that story is, I actually really love that moment. And uh, I love that episode. And I think the explanation for the crayon is really, really funny Uh but yeah, I could talk about that forever. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. It's great. I, I agree. Love it. I, 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 love
0: it. I just want to say it's just a testament to the writers coming up with another way for Homer and Lisa to find common ground. You Absolutely. Know, that's unusual and unexpected. So. Yeah.
1: So good. Okay, next yeah. question. There's, or there's, we'll a, never get. A, I, we'll get we'll I, know, I know. We'll have answer like
0: four questions.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. Uh, so the next question comes from someone I'm actually seeing a lot in the comments. Uh, Mac and Squeeze Shout out to you! I don't know your actual name, Uh, (laughs) but you, but handle (laughs) a great handle. Coming back to uh, talking about some of the songs, she asks, "Favorite song that Lisa has had a singing part in, both or either solo or ensemble?" Uh,
0: Um, I I do remember. I remember loving singing the Josh Groban song. We, I think Josh Groban, he didn't record with us, but he was on that episode as well. And we were, we were Grobanites, me and Emily Blunt. <laughs> and that song, we had to, again, like the original is actually not in my key, in my range as Lisa Simpson. So they, I'm, invariably they lowered it a little. They seem to think like, because Lisa Simpson sounds like this, I can sing really high. And I'm like, that's just not true. <laughs> it's just <laughs> not true. Um, but it's a great song to belt out. Um, there was a funny, a recent episode where we did, uh, uh, well, we did the, um, episode based on Morrissey, right? The, recently. And, I didn't get to sing with Benedict Cumberbatch, but I did get to work with Brett McKenzie, who wrote all the music and lyrics for that episode, which was really super cool. He was on Zoom in New Zealand and I was in LA and, and that was pretty extraordinary. There was another episode where, uh, it was at the end of not this season, but last season. Uh, um, Pete Holmes was the guest. Yeah, and one of originally in the read through, she sings that song from Cabaret. Maybe, maybe this time. <laughs> originally, that song I had to sing it a cappella at the table read. We were still having table read where it, there's about eighty people in that room because people, you know, line the the walls to to sort of be an audience. Sing it a cappella at the tip top of the show before anybody's had a line right out of the gate. And I'm like, I'm going to kill somebody. Whose idea was this? Um, I listened to that song. I must have listened to the guy, you know, the original version of it and then the Kristen Chenoweth version 80 times. No exaggeration (laughs) because I'm not, I don't, I'm not a musical person. I have good pitch, but. Anywho, so then they – in the actual episode when we recorded it, they'd moved it from that opening spot to another place in the story, but – Wow. Uh, uh, yeah.
1: Well, little does everyone know, Yardley actually jumped on the table and really gave a crazy <laughs> performance. Uh-
0: <laughs> um, I mean, I did get a standing ovation, actually, from everyone at the table, which was pretty nice. I don't because doubt Because I I went for it. You yeah. know, like – Bring your A-game, people. I don't care that it's a read-through. This is your your job. This is your job.
1: You got to do and it. your
0: job is the same.
1: Got to do yeah. it. I love it. I love it. Good, good answer. Anyone that's not familiar with the episode she's talking about, check them out. Perfect time to do that. Perfect time. Uh, so the next question uh, is from someone named Pete Dukes. And they ask, how do you come up with your names for the Treehouse of Horror episode credits? Good question.
0: Oh. It's a really good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question. Um, it's super hard. And in fact, uh, when Warren and I were sort of reviewing the questions just in case for this very reason, I was like, oh shit, I don't even remember my Halloween names. Um, I read that we skipped doing funny Halloween names in epis in seasons 12 and 13, because the writers were so, they were like, this is so hard to come up with something funny and clever and like fucking memorable and weird. And so there aren't funny names. We, if, if we're, let's see, we, we have one less Halloween episode than we have, Seasons because we were a mid-season replacement, blah blah blah. So it's season one, there's no Halloween episode. Right. So, so there aren't even though it is. Let's say we're recording season 33 now. There are not 32 ha- funny Halloween names. There would be 30. Uh, help yeah, me. No, help 20, me out. it's got
1: to be 29. I think there's 29. Uh,
0: 29. Yeah. Um. So, but oh, no, I, there's so there's I've,
1: 31, 29 without the names. If no 12 and 13. So there you go.
0: Oh, yes. You should right. have 29 names. <laughs> oh, that's good. I, oh, okay. So I printed out a list of my names because what happens is in August, our casting director, producer, Scott. Mueller writes to all of us and says, it's time for your Halloween name. And uh, you sort of tear your hair out and go, when's the deadline? And then you <laughs> bring it right up to the deadline. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, he also sends you a list of everything that you've already done. A couple of things have changed. You used to be able to use the name of a famous person. So one year, I was uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. And... Um, <laughs> I think I chose Eleanor Roosevelt because, you know, she wasn't the most beautiful looking person, but she was so super smart. The other thing about the Halloween names was it was originally supposed to be something really scary. Nothing rhymes with Yardley, by the way. So that was that was hard. So the first ones were like, Yowling Yardley Smith, Yardley Psycho Smith, Scabby Yardley Smith, Grave Yardley Smith. And then it sort of started to go downhill for a little while. Um, ooh, one of the good ones. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I don't, it's not gonna be my actual name. I'm gonna, like, fuck that. My, my Halloween name appears in the same spot as my usual credit. So if you don't know, then I'm alright with that. Yeah, right. So then by season six, I had, uh, gone to The Reaper, which I <laughs> very much enjoyed. One of my favorite ones was Your Mom. So. <laughs> Which was born out of, at that time, that would have been like 98, 99, um, I think people were always saying, your mom, like, not like, you know, nasty, gross, <laughs> like, I did your mom last night. No, no, no. No, no. mm Me like... Uh, you know, it was a sassy retort. So that's how I came up with your mom. There is, a, then I did the Lizard Queen one year. That was fun. Love that. CSI, CSI Barnyard <laughs> was fun. Um, but I spelled Yard, Y E A R D. There you go. Uh, and it was sort of a, a little Easter egg like, this is also how you pronounce my name, Yardley, even though it's spelled Yearly. Just blame my dad.
1: Right. Um,
0: <laughs> So – but I have – and then after that, there was – I did one called the – I was the dentist. And I know people are probably like, that's so so lame. But let me tell you the sweet story behind the dentist. Please. So I had a friend who had a little girl at – she was probably six at the time. Her name was Lotus. And somehow – I'm not really good friends with this guy, but I've known him a long time. And somehow I found out that Lotus was afraid of the dentist. And she had just been. And one of her treats when she got home was she got to watch an episode of The Simpsons. (laughs) And Lisa Simpson is her favorite character. And it was right around the time that I was supposed to come up with a name for my Halloween name. And so I did the dentist in honor of Little Lotus.
1: (laughs) I love that. I love Um, that.
0: And then I just was like, "Ugh!" Now I'm just gonna. Now I have a running list in my little notes app on my phone, and I and I and I delete them when I've used it up. So, so you know that you've used it, and yardly, Yeah, if I lose my phone, I'm screwed. We're
1: all fucked. <laughs> what do I do? I, I saw, I saw where uh, Spiker Monster in the comments <laughs> said he his favorite is Crab Noodle.
0: Oh, Crab Noodle was um, a, another nickname that a friend of mine had for me. Uh, based on the fact that I was born in July, July the 3rd, so I'm Cancer the Crab, and then she just attached noodle to the end, so that was fun. Um, crab Noodle. Yeah, it, there's some... Oh, and then... Oh, one of my favorites was when, the year that Prince, uh, he lost the rights to his... Calling himself Prince, the musician, right? So mm-hmm. because the music company took his whole catalog or something. And so, remember, he became the symbol?
1: Yeah, the artist formerly so known went, as Prince.
0: Yes. And so I and I asked the animators. I drew a symbol, and I said, now you can put that in, like, Simpsons font, right? <laughs> and uh, so I was a symbol, and under that, it said the artist formerly known as Yardley Smith. So that good. One was pretty clever. No, nah, that that's
1: good. that's really good. I could honestly do a whole episode of the podcast just about uh, trios of horror names. That's really good. Yes, <laughs> that's really yeah, good. yeah
0: yeah. But it's super. So I I also in recent years just to sort of round this out started to go through a rhyming dictionary to see what rhymes with Yardley, and then I just came up with dumb things like Laurel and Laurel and Yardley instead of your Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> And, you know, silly things like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not it's it's not it's not giving you uh, any any really easy common words to rhyme with. Although I do really like graveyardly. (laughs) That's very good. I that
0: was a good one. And then I feel like that was probably the pinnacle. That was probably the height.
1: <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's good. Uh, okay, so next question. Let's let's keep it moving. I got too many damn questions. I'm, I'm never sorry, gonna I'm sorry no no no. It's so no much. no. You talk all you want. It's me. I t- <laughs> I have too many damn questions. It's on me. Uh, so the next one is from Ben M, B-E-N-M, and he says. Yardley, I loved how you gave us glimpses of recording episodes of The Simpsons at home during quarantine. I was just curious as to how the entire process went. Did you all record at separate times or was it over Zoom like web chat? Did it make things more difficult or interesting in the end? And I know you touched on this a little bit, but did you ever record, uh, like, were you ever recording at home but also sort of talking through Zoom? Was there any sort of crossover like that?
0: No, no. Um, so it really did become an exercise in talking to myself, which I always joke I do a lot of as Lisa Simpson. But it's different when you're, the lines are written like you're talking to yourself and when you are actually just doing your own lines but supposed to be talking to somebody else. I will say, um, and one more little piece of that is that you know, when I do, when you do a character, obviously, or when you're in a conversation, I'll talk and then Warren, you'll talk. And then while you're talking, hopefully I'm not talking. And, uh, so when I go in now and just do all my lines and there's no other interruptions, my voice gets quite tired. Mm. It's, it's not, um, it's, it's hard. F- technically, it's technically difficult because there are no lulls. I'm, as a, you know, as Lisa Simpson, even in a, a Lisa heavy show, I'm probably not in every single scene because they'll also have a B story. So during those scenes, again, I could, you know, rest my voice a little bit and um, I would just be, you know, quiet. And <laughs> so I can't overstate the importance of that ebb and flow of that rhythm, even the short breaks, they really, really make a difference for me anyway.
1: Oh yeah. And I'll also, I would say, you know, I will say to the credit of the cast uh, and to your credit that uh, it personally, I cannot tell, like, it's not like you can tell when there are conversations that did not happen. Although I'm sure from the perspective of making the episodes, it's much easier when you're actually getting to have the real conversation uh, and play off each other. So I'm sure that's uh that's really hard to get used to.
0: I miss it. I I just I think you'll miss you'll always miss little nuances, great little. We do do some ad-libbing, but uh we are still constrained to 22 minutes per episode, so a lot of it probably doesn't make it in, but that exercise in ad-libbing and playing off each other adds um this sort of unnameable texture. That you will not be able to get if you're just doing it by yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I, I think that makes total sense. I can't imagine. Like, uh, th- this is the same reason why, uh, even even recording a podcast. Like, if I ever had a podcast that didn't have guests, uh, there's no way I could ever do a podcast by myself. Like, just talking uh, to an audience. Uh, and I know some people do it, and I honestly, I, I couldn't. I I, I don't I know how do it I, either. I don't know how anyone could do it. <laughs>
0: Just I think, and after about five minutes, I think i would be so self-conscious. Like, <laughs> all right, then. Right. All right. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> recording recording a podcast is weird enough as it is. That would just make it even even weirder. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, we have a question from uh, user Blessed Are the Geek, uh, and this was a really good question. It was a little long, so I I, I took just the main question from it, where he says. In what ways do you relate to Lisa? Ha- have you become more like her in any way over the years? And has the character become more like you in any way over the years, do you think?
0: Yes. I, I don't think that you can play a character this long and not have that character rub off on you and vice versa. Um, I... Always say, and it's really, really true that I really look up to Lisa Simpson and I really, really regard her as a living, breathing, three dimensional, red blooded little girl, like you and I are living, breathing, three dimensional. Um, You know, she's so real to me. Uh, And so when I've spoken about Lisa's resilience, because the joke is, is that whenever they give something to Lisa Simpson in 22 minutes, they've also taken it away from her, whether it is an achievement or a friend or um you name it. And Lisa Simpson just, she sort of gets back up, dusts herself off and goes, okay, all right. Like she has this unfailing optimism that I don't think is born out of naivete. It is just born out of, Okay, I'll take that lesson. And I just don't believe that things are going to stay this bad. I just think that things are going to get better. And I, that's, that's, I think some of that lives inside of me, but I think I've, I've become more that way because I get to play this wonderful little girl.
1: Yeah, that's, I couldn't have said, well, obviously I couldn't have said it better because you are Lisa, but that was perfect. <laughs> and I saw where uh, a couple of people were like, oh, we all do. We all view Lisa that way. Uh, that, I mean, you know,
0: I love that.
1: I, yeah. There, there's something special. I mean, anyone that follows me or listens to my podcast or anything knows how I feel about the Simpsons, but, uh, there is some special quality that I always talk about, uh, where, you know, it's not, not only did the show get great writers or have great people uh, creating it or have, but I mean, great, the perfect cast, the perfect mix of all of these things that made the show. And I think that is a testament to why Lisa feels so real and the same reason that Homer and Marge feel real. And you know what I mean? Like there's something very tangible about a relationship that we've all formed with this family that for 30 years, uh, that is hard yeah. to explain. You can't relate that to any other show. You could have a favorite movie that you throw in and it comforts you, but The Simpsons is, is, has never left. Um, right. It's, it's been as <laughs> present as my own family. So there's something very uh, unreal and just incredible about that. Um, and it's always great to uh, to really dissect that. So that's, that's great insight.
0: I agree. Thank you.
1: No, it's great. It's great. Good question, Blessed Are the Geek. Good stuff. Uh, So the next question is from, uh, this is douch. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. I think I've had this same conversation in the past with this name, Uh, but (laughs) thank you for your question. He says, back in 2000, my dad and I managed to get tickets to the Simpsons mania tour in London. I wondered if Yardley had any memories of the trip to England that she could share. What was it like performing an episode? I believe it was the cartridge family live on a West End stage, and will we ever see anything like it again?
0: Of course I remember that. I remember um, I actually still have the the backpack. They gave us as a souvenir, a little bit of swag. They gave us a backpack and embroidered on it. It said Simpsons Mania Tour 2000. Um, it's a great backpack. I
1: believe uh,
0: it. A little navy blue backpack. Uh, I... It was incredible. Are you kidding me? Like, it doesn't get better than that. It was like, <clears throat> I imagine it was like being one of the Beatles. You, you, first of all, the theater sold out in, you know, a minute, and then the cheering was so loud. And yes, I think you are right that we read The Cartridge Family. We we did, um, we we read Simpsons scripts live with the whole cast in a couple of locations. We did it in New York. We did it in London, we did it in Scotland at the Edinburgh Festival, um, and I we toggled between two different shows. But if that's your memory that it was The Cartridge Family, that is one of the ones we did, so I'm sure you're right. Wow. Uh, it was extraordinary. It was – although I do remember um, – being it was the first time that I felt self-conscious that I only did one voice because (laughs) Al Jean would introduce everybody he started with Dan and listed Dan's main characters of which there are a dozen then he went to uh Julie who does four right uh Marge, Patty, Selma, Marge's all of their mom. Yeah. Um, then Nancy, who also does a handful, Ralph, Nelson, Kearney, uh, Bart, and then me. Just just Lisa <laughs> Simpson. And I was like <laughs> and I was remember thinking like, ooh, ooh, hi. <laughs> I felt like sort of the the uh the ugly stepchild. Um but you know, but all in all, it was a really incredible experience. And sadly, no, it will never happen again.
1: Yeah, God. Probably not. Probably not in the, no, in the current state I can, of things. I can
0: tell you it will never happen again.
1: Oh, well. There are a
0: couple of uh, holdouts that, yeah, just people, yeah, no. That was it. That was a moment in time.
1: There you go. Well, <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny because uh, – you know, yeah, you do Lisa's voice and not a bunch of characters. But, uh, you know, that's just what everyone else gets for not having a voice as unique as yours, Yardley. So there you go.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so fuck oh, it. Oh, I want to hug you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, listen, no one sounds like Yardley, uh, which is why, I mean, I would be shocked if anyone could do an impression of Lisa that actually sounded like Lisa. Because, I mean, you guys are looking at Lisa right now. I mean, that's Lisa. So there you go. No, it's No true. one sounds I- like that.
0: I've heard that even when – there was a time where before we had – so Chris Edgerly, who does a bunch of voices every episode, who's great and really, really talented. Um, but he also – part of his job is to fill in for whoever isn't there. He was particularly for people like Dan and Hank and Harry who um, do all these multiple voices. But once in a while he has to do Lisa Simpson. But prior to that – Nancy would sometimes fill in for me, Tress would fill in, and they were all like, fuck it, I can't, just, I don't know, where you place that voice in your head, Yardley, like, what part of your anatomy, I can't do it. Please don't miss work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. I was flattered. Yeah, I felt like,
0: okay, that's a little bit of job security there.
1: There you go. No, come on. Uh, Okay, so uh, I mentioned this name earlier because I saw him say something funny in the comments, but uh, we have a question from Spiker Monster, uh, and he says, what do you think of Lisa's seemingly unhappy marriage to Milhouse in the future? Is there hope for them?
0: Okay, first of all, Spiker Monster, everybody should go to his Twitter page and look at his um art.
1: 100%. It's
0: incredible. I was going to really, say really the amazing. same
1: thing. You should have asked more of a question about Nelson Spiker. I'm going to tell everyone to go. Uh, Nel- <laughs> Spiker does a webcomic <laughs> called Those Springfield Kids and I can honestly say it is some of the best Simpsons art I've ever seen. So, get over there and look at that after you are done with this. Uh, but is it's there It's
0: really really
1: Sorry. No, no, it, it is really good. Is there hope for them uh, Yardley?
0: No. No. First <laughs> of all, and funny coming from the guy who in his comic he has paired Lisa with Nelson, um which I also think is sort of doomed, although I have great affection for the romance that that was, you know, that episode um what was the episode called uh uh, uh Lisa's
1: day with density?
0: Yes, yes. At least, sorry, oh, I had a big break. I, I could, all I could think of was smell you later. Names are hard. Um, come on, <laughs> they're so hard. Uh, I love that episode because it was such. Um, a, they they found this place to meet in the middle. They tried to sort of make it a little bit more. They realized that that wasn't really. Where they could be their best selves. And they parted friends, like genuinely wishing each other well, genuinely feeling like, you know what? This, the whole thing, the whole journey from soup to nuts was so worth it. I really like you. I think you're a, a good, um, person. And I, I want the best for you. And I, I loved that for, it was, first of all, so incredibly mature, but also so, um, full hearted. So I love that. Uh, listen to me, people. Listen to me. Lisa Simpson is never going to end up with Milhouse. Never, not ever. <laughs> never. Never. Never.
1: Yeah. So, come on. Unless
0: nope. I'm dead.
1: Nobody likes Milhouse. Never. Okay. I'm sorry, everybody. It's not that
0: we don't like him. It's just <laughs> she just wouldn't do that. I mean, Milhouse, you know, he's fine, but that's not ever going to happen. No. You guys need to let that go. No, I
1: mean even in the future, Lisa, Miss, she's still talking to Nelson on the side. I'm just throwing it out there, everybody. She says that in the episode. Um, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Is there hope for them? No, no, there is not. No, there's not.
0: No, no, Spiker Monster. No, no.
1: no. Thank you for your question. Even you Spiker. knew that. Come on, you knew that. <laughs> Thank you, Spike. Everyone, go look at his comic. Okay, next question uh, is from Gaylor Ortega. Four. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, how many boyfriends, similar question, but not the same. How many boyfriends has Lisa had throughout the series and which one in your opinion was your favorite and also which one impacted her the most? And if it caused character development, it sounds like we sort of just answered that question.
0: I did. I did. I just conflated those answers. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, I don't know how many boyfriends I feel, you know, Lisa Simpson, I don't, she doesn't really get boyfriends. She gets crushes. Um They're pretty innocent. I will say sometimes her picker is sort of broken. <laughs> uh Like recently in this past season where she got a crush on the kid who took away saxophone first chair from her and was a real dick about it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I don't like that. I don't like that. Uh as, Again, I guess as I was saying, you know, I really, really – I think my favorite boyfriend that she had was Nelson for all the reasons that I said before. I just think it was a really lovely and also true to each character exploration of two opposites coming together.
1: Totally. I see a little love for Colin from the movie in the comments. That's not bad. Oh, yeah. Not bad. That
0: was a great one. I love that um, scene where she (laughs) swoons and literally passes out. That's so cute. (laughs) It is cute.
1: It is cute. Yeah, you know, and and I think a lot of times uh, what we we see is that Lisa doesn't need a boyfriend. Uh, You know, she sees a lot of, uh, I think she searches for meaningful friendships and relationships, not necessarily just boyfriends. Uh, which is another quality of Lisa I like. I like that you know. I mean, obviously she has crushes on boys and she reads non-threatening boys' magazine and all of this stuff, but she's <laughs> yes. not she's not out here just like fawning over you know over various guys every episode, which is uh, is a good quality. Uh, even though she admits to Homer and Bart on the road that she has a crush and you know whatever, but once in a while you hear a little boy talk. But Lisa, she got she got better stuff to do. She's got bigger she got things bigger on her fish
0: plate. to fry. Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: More to do, more important <laughs> shit to do than than worry about some some dumbass boy. I, I agree with that totally. Uh, okay, next question is from JMH820, and he says, "How did Lisa gain such high emotional intelligence?" Good question.
0: Ah, um, well, I do know because they've told me that the writers work out a lot of their own childhood angst through Lisa Simpson, um. And I, and they're, they're like seriously the smartest people in the room, which doesn't always necessarily make you, give you emotional intelligence. You you could be completely also disconnected from your feelings, but, but they aren't. And so I just feel lucky that what they write has also resonated with me so that when, excuse me, they write something that and Lisa Simpson's going through a hard time, I can always connect to it. I could always connect to it. I personally am a big fan of um, therapy. It's really good. I find it really valuable to have a place to go to sort of untangle all of the noise in my head with somebody who has no stake in the outcome, you know, other than as a hu- from human to human, if you right. know what I'm saying. So I right. I feel like I've, I'm curious that way. I'm curious about what, why I do the things I do, what makes other people tick. So it's sort of been this unspoken meeting of minds.
1: Yeah, no, that's really good. I I think, you know, Lisa, what it really is to me, and this is just, I'll give my fan uh, perspective on that, is I think Lisa, you know, gets a lot of crap throughout the show. Um, and I think when you are put upon and you're forced to be like the third adult in the family, uh, or often really the second, if we're being honest here, Homer is basically just a dog, <laughs> uh, as John Swartzweller said in his recent ep- interview, uh, Homer is just a dog that you get to write human <laughs> jokes for. Uh, so, you know, I uh, Lisa is, is forced to be, you know, this bigger than she's forced to not be a child. And I think when you have so many weird situations, like having to, you know, push Bart to the doctor in a wheelbarrow uh, because he broke his arm, you know, that's going to build character and make her, you know, have to uh, mature in a way that a child should not. So uh, uh, That's
0: really well said. I yeah. think that's really beautifully said.
1: There's, there's just a lot that she has to deal with.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. She, she's had to be – I do think she's an old soul, but she's also in many ways grown up quickly. Um, and so you're right. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have to fucking push your brother in a wheelbarrow to the doctor because your parents are MIA. What? (laughs) I'm sorry. What?
1: Yeah. No one, and, and no one actually thinks of her as an eight year old. There's very few moments where you actually get to remember that she's eight. So that's, that's all, it all makes sense to me, you know, uh, (laughs) what else do we have here? We have a question from Jane's, I'm sorry, Jane's Amrori. I hope I'm saying that correctly, Jane's. Uh, please tell me that Dan and Dave, this is a small town dicks related question. Uh, <laughs> please tell me that Dan and Dave pull twin pranks on you, albeit wholesome ones a la Sweet Valley High.
0: <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the, the true crime podcast that I co-host, I co-host with identical twin detectives, Dan and Dave. I happen to be engaged to Dan. Um, so I see a lot of him. Uh, the funny thing is, no, they've never pulled a twin prank on me because now as they're a bit older, you can definitely tell them apart. But I will say you look at a baby and toddler pictures of them and even they can't tell each other apart, (laughs) which is hilarious. Only their mother can, which is pretty funny. But the PS to this question is that they have, when they both lived in their small town where they were detectives, and Dave is still there, they would run into a suspect once in a while, you know, somebody they had arrested who obviously wasn't in jail anymore. and, And that person would be like, oh, hey, you arrested me and blah, blah, blah. And if it was Dan, he would look at the guy and Dan and Dave never forget a face or a name. And if it was Dan, he'd be like, yeah, no, that was my brother. And then the guy's head would pop off, you know, brains everywhere. Um, but that is a fun question. I, I, you know, if they still looked super identical, that would have been funny if they tried to pull that off and then I would have killed them. And then, well, I might not be here with you. So. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: you know, I, I think, uh, it's funny because when I was a kid, I, I always, I have an aunt who has a twin, but they're not identical. And to me as a kid, I could not fathom the idea of having an identical sibling. Like I used to sit around and just think about like how weird it would be if there was another person who looked just like me that I could interact with. And uh, anyone that knows me knows that I really like, I I get these things in my head that I just can't let go. And as a kid, that was something (laughs) that I used to really just think was nuts. I would be like, how could anyone... Like, I I just can't imagine living with an identical twin. So uh, shout out to them for that.
0: They, um, you know, it's funny. So when you're an identical twin, obviously you share the same DNA. You literally do. But they're actually what's called mirror twins. So Dan is right-handed. Dave is left-handed. Whoa. Whoa. But they did everything. They did all the same stuff. They both played baseball. Dave was, he was going to, he would have played professional ball, but he was a pitcher and he blew out his arm in college twice. Dad did play professional baseball. He was a shortstop. All right. Um, And then they both became cops. Like, they're super close. And all I can say, is, anybody who's dating a twin, you'll never get in between that. (laughs) And so you might as well embrace it. And I so have. I, like, I love Dave with all of my heart. I love that man. And I love the bond that they have. I love, I love to see them together. I just, I'm, I'm there for it. I'm in it. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. No, that, that seemed, that is really cool. And it's just for some reason, as a kid, I could not come to terms <laughs> with it. That's so the, funny. I, I just thought it was, and, and, I don't know. For some reason, it just freaked me out. But I think it's very cool. It sounds like you have a very great relationship with them, and that is awesome. I don't mean to sound like I'm scared of twins. I know. I <laughs> <myself. laughs> no,
0: no, no. I mean, why wouldn't you be curious about? I I guess I never even have thought about it. I, I have I have an older brother. is a year older than me, and we we're so close in age that a lot of people, often people, thought we were twins. But we. There was a huge period of time, years, where we didn't get along at all. So I think I couldn't, like, I don't fucking need another sibling. You're enough. Yeah, You're a pain in my ass enough. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, as, as someone with an older brother, I can also agree with that. So there you go. Um, okay, I, don't, I, I, will, I will turn this away from twin chat, and I will go on to another question. Uh, from It's Zena Klein, who says, if you weren't an actress, what would you do? Career-wise,
0: probably nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a, a. I still would actually. I would have loved to have been a professional ballroom dancer, like compete in tango and salsa and rumba and all that. I would have loved that. Um, not that I'm such a great dancer, but I. I just would have loved that. Uh, it's like, it's athletic and it's also creative. But I also, if I couldn't have done that, I would have wanted to go, uh, to Africa and worked in some uh, wildlife reserve and helped save the ele- elephants and the rhinos and the lions and the... all the animals would
1: have done that too. Wow. Yeah. I always said that if I, uh, one of the things I wanted to do at some point in my life, so maybe this will, will happen is I always said I would want to work on like an animal refuge or like a place that saves animals that have nowhere to go, uh, who, you know, are are, come from slaughterhouses or wherever that have nowhere to, uh, to, to live. And there are, there are places that do that, uh, that are constantly struggling for funding. That is very admirable work. Uh, and it sounds like we are like-minded on that. So there you go.
0: Yes, Lisa,
1: Lisa would be so proud of you. you. hardly look at that.
0: She would. Yeah, if you find a place that's, you know, guess probably I wouldn't be allowed to go just move to Kenya, just like drop everything and go there or wherever. Uh, if you find a place, we'll go together.
1: No, absolutely And volunteer
0: Yeah Like it could be, you know, like a two week sort of uh, work vacation
1: That sounds That sounds sounds
0: fun to me I'll shovel shit (laughs) I don't mind I don't mind
1: I'm not above it I'm not above it
0: yeah. So, so
1: I'm glad it's interesting to hear an answer like that and not that you would be more involved in uh, in making food. Uh, so I do. <laughs> I do. I do want to take just a moment before we re- I'm, I'm going to do either one or two more questions. I wanted to keep this around an hour. I'm sorry to anyone that I did not answer your question. There were simply too many. I received at least 70 questions, give or take. Uh, and I knew there was no way I was gonna get to all of them. Maybe we would do this again because this, you know, was very fun. Uh, and it was so fun. Anytime to just hang out with Yardley and hang out with all of you is a blast. And I'm not just saying that, it really is true. I appreciate everyone that's hung out with us and in the chat, uh, sending hearts. And uh, I've seen a lot of (laughs) questions in the chat, and I'm sorry that I haven't been able to answer those, but you gotta. Next time, you got to submit it early. I said submit them early. So, uh, if you know, just keep your eye on the Instagram and we'll do it again. You can submit one and I would love to ask your question. And any of the ones that didn't get asked, I'm not going to just throw them away. I'll try to keep them if we do this again. Yeah, we but, should
0: keep them definitely. Yeah,
1: but I say that to say I, I do want to take a moment before we ask another question. Uh, for anyone that is not watching Oil and Water, I just want to say uh, Oil and Water has has come together so quickly for me as, as a very funny weekly thing to watch. And if there's anyone watching this that is not familiar, just take two seconds and explain Oil & Water because I think anyone not watching it is truly missing out on something very funny. So please, Yorley.
0: Thank you so much. So I'm a, I'm a pretty good cook. And uh, during the pandemic, I wanted to do something that felt funny and sort of loose, but also involved something I could do at home because we're all at home and uh, involved cooking. So I came up with this game, which was actually born out of, I used to do a thing, as you know, I'm sure called Simpsons Sunday, where I would feature little behind the scenes stories or things about the Simpsons. And one of the things I did was I made a recipe that Homer makes for Bart in one of the shorts on the Tracy Almond, where he basically smashes together ground pork and ground fish and <laughs> makes porkified fish nuggets. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do that for Simpsons Sunday. And I did. And you know what? It was not terrible. Not it terrible. Was not terrible. Which, as we say on Oil & Water, is high praise. So... <laughs> Out of that, I thought, couldn't you come up with a game that's sort of similar to Chopped where you take two ingredients, a random drawing from a sweet bowl, a savory bowl, and then there's a bowl of things like it's an ice cream, it's a pie, it's a pandowdy, it's a whatever. So you do these three random drawings and then you have to make the thing, right? So you take two ingredients that don't go together and make it into soup, ice cream, pie, casserole, whatever. And, uh, that's the game. Each episode is anywhere from seven to nine minutes. You can find it on Instagram at oil and water food and also on YouTube at oil and water food. And really it's funny. And if you like to hear Lisa Simpson swear, there's a lot of swearing that we bleep out. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I have to say, like, every time we do it, I'm like, ah, oh, is that really? I mean, I think it's funny. Anybody else think it's funny? And I got to say, when I watch it, I'm like, that's not terrible.
1: Yeah. It's all right. It's pretty no, good. They're funny and also uh, <laughs> sometimes they sound disgusting. Sometimes they sound pretty good.
0: <laughs> oh, listen to me. Somebody asked me uh, in an interview recently, what's the best thing you've made on oil and water and what's the worst thing? I've made a couple of things that were surprisingly good. Um, I, the worst thing I ever made was the Halloween episode where I had predetermined it would be a candy apple because it's Halloween. So that was the thing. All the other ingredients had to be orange or candy. So in the savory bowl, I drew salmon roe. I fucking hate caviar, people. I hate it. Salmon Roe is huge and disgusting and globular. And then the sweet thing was Skittles. So I had to put Salmon Roe and Skittles on the candy apple. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten. And we had to set it on fire.
1: Yeah, I, I can vouch that that episode made me not feel great. Everyone should it was go. so bad. Everyone should go watch that. It's really good. Um, Yeah, oil and water food. I always want to take a moment to plug it. It is great. Uh, and if you, if you're a fan of Yardley outside, outside of just her work on the Simpsons and you should be, that is one thing you should be watching every week. Uh, so yeah, I want to take a moment to do that, but I think everyone, I think I'm going to do one more question because at this point we're, we're looking at an hour 15. Uh, and I know, I mean, I would love to ask every question, but we would be here like four hours and I know, you know, no one's got that kind of time, including me, including Yardley. Uh, so I'm going to go out with, uh, what I considered a really good question, and I also want to say I saw a couple people ask me how I how I took questions. Um, I did take some of them in email. I also uh, took most of them in the comments of the reel that I posted announcing this. And uh, so that was the easiest way to do it in the future. I will probably take more of them in email, but I will. You know, you just got to look for the post. Usually leave it on the post. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll do this again sometime. We'll find a day to do it. So if you didn't get your question in, don't be mad at me. I'm sorry. Uh, I love you anyway, so don't be upset. But we're going to go out with uh, with one more question uh, okay. from Jaden LeBron, who's been very active in the comment section. And I really like this question. Uh, Jaden also does uh, voice acting. He does a wide range of impressions and puppeteering. Jaden does a lot of cool stuff. Everyone should be following him. Uh, and he said... What do you do to protect your voice after 30 plus years of voicing Lisa? And do you prefer voicing the one over the one over voicing dozens of others like your co-stars? We talked about that a little bit, but go into that.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't, I sort of don't do anything. um, I don't do anything specific to protect my voice. I, I, you know, what we had talked about earlier about when it's, when I'm having a conversation, when I'm doing Lisa Simpson, and I don't have anybody responding, so I don't even get that micro break, it's much harder in my voice. <laughs> um, the other piece is that probably most people don't know is that in 2016, I fell down a flight of stairs in a parking garage, and I broke my neck.
1: Oh, wow.
0: I really broke my neck. I separated C5 and C6, and my like a cigar cutter, my spinal cord was threaded through those two vertebrae. And came within a millimeter of snapping. Jesus! So I literally almost died, and I was in fucking unbelievable pain for a year as I rehabbed and got back to um, pretty much normal. Except that the right side, because of the impact, I fell. So I fell down a cement stairs and I hit a cement wall. Right, I fell on a landing, and the right side of my diaphragm is paralyzed. So my lung doesn't inflate all the way. Oh, my God. It's not totally paramo- paralyzed. It's like it, it, it goes down about 15%. So what I've noticed, and although I don't think anybody else can tell, is that I no longer have the same amount of breath control I have when I do Lisa Simpson. If Lisa Simpson has a long speech, I can't just blow through it like I used to before I broke my neck because I basically have like one really good lung. Wow. So, um, that has, that's a challenge that I think about more than, um, preserving my voice. I will say when I have to scream as Lisa Simpson, I always ask that I do it at the end of the session because that's a finite, there's like, you'll get three good ones and then I'll be done. (laughs) So, um, so we do that. And then, um. What was the second part of the question? It was good.
1: Oh, uh, do do you prefer voicing the one voice oh, over oh. voicing dozens of others?
0: <laughs> it's funny because that actually isn't my choice. That was decided about probably 20 seasons ago by Al Jean, who literally said, if we can't see Lisa Simpson in a crowd, Yardley, you're not allowed to be part of the crowd. <laughs> Like, you can't just go in as, you know, as random kid and be like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Or any version. He's like, nope, nope, nope. You sound always exactly like yourself. (laughs) So, um, you know, now, actually, over the last probably five years or four seasons, maybe, they've allowed me to do a a couple of other characters, but they... (laughs) They also gave me one who was like a friend of Shauna, you know Shauna, who I love, <laughs> who I get to fill in for when Tress is gone. Oh, that's great. If she's miss if she misses a read through, and they gave her, they gave me a friend of Lisa Simpson's who had that sort of valley thing. But the problem was, I don't have enough range like my coworkers to do another kid. If I was doing a Uh, contemporary of Shauna, like, I could do that, right? (laughs) But if you want me to be a kid and talk to Lisa Simpson, she sounds too much like Lisa. And it was Matt Groening who said... It's not different enough. You can't do it. So it's like, God.
1: God, ah! nah, so That's so funny. Well, uh, in reference to the story of you breaking your neck, which is a story that I did not know somehow. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just want to say, and I'm sure everyone in the comments uh, and anyone watching will agree, uh, how badass is Yardley for bouncing back from that? Like, uh, I mean, come on. Take no prisoners. Thank you. Incredible. <laughs>
0: thank you. That I, is inspirational. I, they did say... You'll get, maybe you'll get 70% of your mobility back. And I was like, fuck you, you don't know me. And I, we'll talk about it sometime. It's quite, it is a good story just because it really was, I I could have decided that, you're right, I won't get my mobility back. But it was sheer determination. And then there were the fucking painkillers, which were, I was on fentanyl. Like it was- unbelievable. The whole story is pretty harrowing.
1: Yeah. No, I'm, I I'm, I'm yeah, we're going to have to do, we're <laughs> going to have to, I'm going to have to get that whole story. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as someone, you know, just, just, uh, to add a, a slight, uh, relatability to that, uh, I've had back problems in my life as well. And I've had, mm-hmm. you know, doctors tell me, um, that I would need surgery in order to like, you know, I used to have numbness in my limbs from, from back injuries and stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of people tell you like, oh, it'll never get better or unless you do this, it won't get better. And sometimes you have to just believe that it will get better and and just work hard. Uh, and I, you know, was able to get completely past it uh, on a much smaller scale than what Yardley went through. So um, I'm going to look at Yardley as much is even more of a badass than I already <laughs> did now, <laughs> having heard that story, because that is fucking bananas. I
0: just want to say it's, that. it was bananas. <laughs> Incredible. It was really I I had such um. I had a real fear of going downstairs in parking garages for a, a long time, about two years, because all I could see was I you know the smell of a parking garage of that sort of.
1: Oh yeah, you
0: know, environment is quite. It's sort of ubiquitous, and I would just sort of go like, "Hmm." Anyway,
1: no, it makes. Total I just want to say.
0: Thank you, Warren, for this wonderful hangout with you. And thank you to the fans who wrote in. I am so grateful that you sent questions. It means, really means the world to me. And I love that you're here. I loved all the hearts. Um, you're just the best, the best, best, best. What a wonderful way to spend a Saturday.
1: Oh, come on. Yarly, you're the best. Uh, my followers are the best. Your fans are the best. Uh, and again, you know, thank you to everyone that sent questions. I, I don't even know if I'm getting the number right. It was nothing shy of 70 questions. And it sounds like there's a lot of people that didn't even see the post or get to submit a question. Uh, so, you know, thank everyone for watching and hanging out. Or if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, thank you for listening. Uh, And this was an absolute blast. As always, I do want to direct anyone uh, slide back to last July and watch our first episode when I only sort of knew uh, how to conduct an interview and also go back to November where there's a video of me just opening a big package of stuff and Yarly hangs out with me, which is one of my favorite things. Uh, And that video is very fun, so you should go watch that as well if you want more Warren and Yardley content. You can also go, like I said, and listen to the Christmas episode she did with me, which is over two hours long. Um, It's long. There's a lot of – I mean, save it for this December uh, or listen to it (laughs) now, whatever you want to do. But it is the most Christmassy of Christmas episodes. And if you know me, you know I love that. But without any more from me, I want to ask you, Yardley, if you have anything you want to say before we get out of here. And, uh, yeah, Please.
0: No, just uh, thank you again. Um, if you like true crime, you should subscribe to uh, Small Town Dicks, which is on all the platforms. It really is a really, I, I'm, we're really proud of it. It's great reverence for the victims. All of the cases are told by the detectives who investigated them. Some fascinating conversations. Um, that I co-host with wonderful detectives, Dan and Dave. And we have, we just finished season eight in March. We do about two seasons a year. So, but we have over a hundred and, somebody said the other day, 118 episodes. So that's some binge-worthy shit, people. It is. And also join me on Instagram and the tube of you for oil and water. There you go. It's fun. It's really fun. Dumb entertainment for troubling times, people. Uh,
1: There you go. That's exactly (laughs) what I was going to say. And also, if this is your first time, like I said, go to my bio and check out my podcast, Simpsons is Greater Than. There's also a Twitter. There's also an Instagram. And you got 39 uh, episodes plus some bonus episodes to listen to, so get caught up Mm -hmm. on those. Some really good ones coming out this week, including one uh, with Laurel Randolph. But like I said, if you're listening to this, you probably already heard that that so whatever but as for me as for Yardley you guys are all fantastic and I'll see you later thank you if you enjoyed this podcast check out the official instagram at simpsons is greater than or follow me on twitter at simpsons is great if you're curious about me or my simpsons collection just search for of darkness on instagram and twitter thanks again for checking this out I'll see you next week